Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly, and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. All right. Hey, guys. Welcome to City Church. How you guys doing? So glad you're here. That video was funky. I felt like dancing. You guys wrote with me. You ready to do that? One more time. We'll all just stand up and... No? Okay. Some of us are too white for that. I understand. Hey, I'm so glad you're here. My name is Drake. Not everyone's too white. I'm just saying a few of us, Okay. My name is Drake. I'm the pastor here. It's an honor to have you gathering with us on Easter Sunday. Come on, put your hands together. So, so grateful to celebrate with you. And listen, I realize, you know, you could be here for all kinds of different reasons. This could be that, like, obligatory guilt and shame motivation gets you out of bed in the morning to celebrate once a year, or your mom's going to give you a call and check in. Did you go to Easter? I don't know if your mom sounds like that or not. My mom definitely does not sound like that. Um, you know, or, or, or maybe, you know, today someone invited you and, you know, you, you might be in kind of all different places on your spiritual journey. I just want you to hear me. No matter where you're walking in on your spiritual journey, you are loved, safe, and welcome here. Our desire is to meet you where you are and simply help you take a next step that's appropriate in your season. And so I promise it's going to be helpful today and super encouraging. Uh, but what I want to do today, just in the little bit of time that we have, um, is take you kind of back to that first Easter weekend. Again, I don't know how familiar you are, familiar you are with the, the story story of Easter, and so I'm going to kind of take us back, and I want you to think about it. What do we find over Easter weekend? If we went back first century there with Jesus and his followers, there's probably not a party like you and I would expect, but rather we would have a couple of different things. We'd have some very disillusioned Jesus followers, or rather maybe at this point they're not even followers anymore, they're just disillusioned. We'd have a confirmed and very dead Jesus. We would have corrupt religious leaders, a sealed and guarded tomb, now property of the Roman government, so that no one can mess with this body and, and cause any more problems as a result of this guy, Jesus, that has been just messing with everything. We would have a heartless Roman government. There would be no savior, no son of God, no believers, no followers, no church, and no hope. That's Easter weekend. All right, let's go home. You encouraged? Okay. It's, it's so important for us to have this perspective. And again, I don't know where you're walking in, and so my hope is to catch us all up, and we'd all leave encouraged today. But I need you to understand that when Jesus died, hope died with him. There were no followers when Jesus died. There were no Christians because there was no Christ. The two guys that went and grabbed Jesus' body off the cross and stuck it in a tomb, you know what they did? They went home. Because it was over. There was no party. There was no anticipation. There was only disillusionment. No one was planning to keep the dream alive. No one was planning to keep the movement moving. Because if Jesus couldn't keep himself alive, then why was there a point in keeping Jesus and his movement alive? Jesus clearly was not who he claimed to be. This is Easter weekend for you and I. And I, and I don't know kind of where you're walking in, so you might not know this, but Jesus' teaching and his actions, while, while they're great and incredible, and there's a lot to learn from that, and he's a really good dude, and all of those things are great, 
But Jesus' teaching and his actions were not the driving force of his movement and his following. It was actually his claims, what he said he could do and who he said he was that created the following that we see early on in the life of Jesus. He he claimed things like he could forgive sin, which no one would ever claim on their own. He would say things like he was greater than the temple and greater than Moses and greater than Abraham. He was greater than the prophets. He would attribute to himself claims of being God himself, God in a bod. And people kind of like squinted at him with a you know, raised eyebrow. And, you know, this is so important because there's not another world religion with a leader that gives themselves the attributions of being God. And I need you to understand when Jesus started to build his following, they didn't choose to follow Jesus because of what he taught or because of what he did. In fact, it was sometimes in spite of what he taught and what he did. Jesus would get crowds together and do some amazing miracles and, you know, feed 5,000 people, and that would be awesome. And then he'd take that moment to say something really weird, like, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And people are like, I'm out. <laughs> I was all about eating fish, but <laughs> flesh and blood, I, nah. Or one time he's like, hey, I, I'm the bread that's come down out of heaven. And people are like, no, no, you're not. I know your mom and dad. I know where you came from. And then there's just like disillusionment. Like he'd say confusing things. He'd say super offensive things. And so over and over again, he'd get this really big following and he'd say something that just ruined it all. And then I, I, he's, he's like 12 close, closest guys. I bet they were getting frustrated. They're like, Jesus, again, like, come on. We're like trying to build a movement here. and You keep scaring everybody off. And, and John, one of Jesus' followers, he records for us this one instance when Jesus looks around after everyone has kind of left, he looks at his 12 closest guys and he says, hey, are you going to unfollow me too? Like, are you guys out? And it's just, and, and John records what Peter, one of Jesus' closest guys, says in response to Jesus saying, hey, are you guys going to dip or not? And, and it's just as important to know what he did not say as it is of what he did say. So John, uh, Peter did not say this, Lord, to whom shall we go? I mean, you make the best fish, fish sandwiches, right? Uh, and, and the water you turned into wine, holy moly, that was some good wine, Jesus. And you know what? We've never seen anyone water ski without a boat before. So, you know, I mean, this is awesome. And, you know, and Peter didn't go on to say, uh, you know, you, you're a really nice guy. And plus, your, your teaching is, is solid. Well, except for, you know, that one time uh, where you talked about eating your flesh and, and drinking your blood. That thing was a little weird. But, you know, overall, Jesus, we've got a good thing going here. That, that's not how Peter responded to Jesus' invitation to stick with him. Here's what Peter actually said. Jesus, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. And you have to understand when they would use this phrase, this is not something happening, you know, when you die. This is life now and forever. This is an already not yet reality for them. And so he would, he would go on to say, man, we believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God. And so so it's not because of his teachings or what he would do, but who they believe Jesus to be that led them to follow him. And Easter weekend arrives, and now he's dead. And they were wrong. It it, it was impossible. It's impossible for God's Messiah to be murdered. So clearly Jesus was lying about who he said he was. And, And listen, when Jesus died on that cross and was buried, they all expected Jesus to do what dead people do, and that's stay dead, right? There was no party. There was no countdown in front of the tomb on Easter Sunday. Everybody's like, 10, 9, 8. It's not happening. Everybody's hiding, afraid for their lives, disillusioned. 
And, and it's really important that you know in all of the accounts of Jesus' life, no one writes themselves into the story as a hero. No one's like, oh yeah, everyone else lost faith, but I, I held in there. No, no one writes themselves into the story like that. They were all gone. They, were, they had all stopped believing because when Jesus died, hope died with him. But then something happened. Something happened that changed everything for everyone. This dead body, three days, no medical attention, no access, guarded by the Roman government, this very dead body begins to breathe again. And this heart begins to beat again. And Jesus rises from the grave. And when we gather for Easter, we celebrate not something that was written, but rather we celebrate, celebrate an event. This is so important. Listen, if you, get, if you and I get this backwards, and listen, I don't know your story, right? Like maybe you grew up in the church and you kind of walked away from church. Maybe there's been some things that have disillusioned you or maybe you've been hurt by the church or, you know, you're like, man, I like that Jesus guy. I just don't like his people. You know, there's that stuff. And, and, and then like, you kind of wrestle with your story. I don't know where you're walking in, but if we get what, what I'm about to share backwards, it messes up everything. It makes faith very fragile. And this might actually be the faith that you were exposed to growing up or the stories that you've heard. But the Easter weekend is not based on anything other than an event, the resurrection of Jesus, that then proceeded to become a movement, the church as we know it, and eventually would produce something called the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E. And, and there's many of you that heard like this kind of, the Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says, and that's kind of like a non-starter for you. You're like, I don't know if the Bible says can be the space that I'm going to pull some confidence and hope in Jesus. But here's the deal. If you and I get this out of order, it makes everything fragile. And if you grew up in and around the Bible says, I, I get the, the, the challenge, or the grandma says, maybe that's kind of equivalent to you. Bible says, grandma says, it feels the same. And if you grew up in that, I understand if there's a challenge for you, but, but I need you to get this. The Christian faith did not begin with Genesis, or, or the first book of the Bible as you and I know it today. The Christian faith began with Jesus, <laughs> okay? And, and listen, not, not like the birth of Jesus. Christmas is great. We love to celebrate that. So important. Not the birth of Jesus, not even the teachings of Jesus. It's the resurrection of Jesus from the dead that started everything. There were no believers, no followers of Jesus, no church until after the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. This is so important. The Bible did not create Christianity. Christians did not create Christianity. The resurrection of Jesus from the dead actually created both. And someone always asks this question, it's a good question, but isn't the Bible how we know about the resurrection? <laughs> Shh, we don't ask hard questions here, okay? That's a joke. By the way, we start a new series starting next week on the scriptures. This is not to downplay the Bible and the scriptures. I totally believe that they're God's word, all of that by all means. But this is really important that we're walking through today. And so next week, we're going to kind of start a new series talking about like, hey, how, can we trust the Bible and how do we know? But, but for today, asking, hey, isn't the Bible how we know? Actually, it's not. You see, the Bible as we know it today was not assembled until about 350 years after Jesus' resurrection. 
And so when I say a symbol, what I'm talking about is like the, the, the Jewish scriptures, kind of the Old Testament as, as we know it today, and then Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, kind of these eyewitness accounts of Jesus' life, and then like these epistles all put together. The Bible as you and I know it today didn't exist until the fourth century. So if, if no one knew about the resurrection, track with me here, if no one knew about the resurrection until after the Bible was assembled, that means no one knew about the resurrection until about 400 years after the events of Easter weekend. And we know historically that that's not the case. We don't know about the resurrection because the Bible says. We know about the resurrection for a couple of reasons. Number one, a guy named Matthew. Eyewitness accounts. Jesus would appear to upwards of 500 people alive at one time. This historical documents and narratives from both followers of Jesus and people who are not followers of Jesus to say, hey, this actually happened. So there was no Bible to tell people. Eyewitness accounts of a guy named Matthew that followed closely with Jesus and recorded everything about the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. We have a guy named Luke and Mark. Sorry, out of order. Luke is in there, though, I promise. Mark, who was with Peter. The, Peter, the guy that like denies Jesus three times and walks away. And like that, that guy, Peter... Mark sits with him and writes down his entire account. Everyone's still alive. We have a guy named Luke who was a doctor and a physician and thoroughly investigated all things. I love Dr. Luke and his account of the life of Jesus. We have a guy named John who was Jesus' best and closest friend who gives us an eyewitness account. We have Peter, which is a really big deal because for Peter to come back out after denying Jesus three times and running away and being a coward eventually would, would not only kind of say, hey, you know what, I was wrong, and Jesus is alive, but then he would give his life for his faith. We have a guy named James, the brother of Jesus. Listen, the brother of Jesus. I don't know what it takes to convince your brother that you're God. Listen, I tried, and it didn't work, okay? My brother was not buying it. I don't know about you, but to convince your brother that you're God is a pretty big deal. So for James, who did not believe in Jesus until after the resurrection, would say that Jesus is God and he saw him alive from the dead. Paul, the, the heaviest opponent to the early church in the Jesus movement post-resurrection, murdering Christians, doing everything he can to shut down the Jesus movement, has an encounter with Jesus changes his life, goes from a guy named Saul, changes his name to Paul, and becomes a forerunner of the Christian faith, one of the most influential people for the Christian faith outside of Jesus himself. And so you ask the question, okay, there's, there's all this historical documentation and historical narrative that we can lean into, not the B-I-B-L-E. You see, we don't believe in the resurrection because the Bible tells us so. In fact, we have a Bible because of the resurrection. And so the only reason that the Jesus story is worth telling is not because of Jesus' teachings, not even because of his crucifixion, but because of his resurrection. And so for 30 years, Peter, this denier, this guy that was a coward and lost faith, after Jesus' resurrection, for 30 years, he would tell people the story of Jesus. And after the resurrection, he would do anything and everything he could for anyone that would listen. And, and he would travel around, and as he was sharing, eventually he'd find himself in Rome, in prison, and he doesn't know it yet, but he's actually going to lose his life for his faith in Jesus. 
The same faith that he denied 30 years earlier. And he's got Mark as a traveling companion with him. And he says, hey, Mark, I know we've shared this like a thousand times, but you know what? We should sit down. We should write down everything about Jesus. And so then he has Mark record the entire story. So let me show you what, what uh, Peter says through Mark in Mark 15. He just kind of recounts Easter weekend. Joseph of Arimathea took a risk and went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate couldn't believe that Jesus was already dead. The officer confirmed that Jesus was indeed dead. Other accounts shared that they stuck a spear in the side of Jesus, puncturing his heart. Water and blood would flow out. He's a very, very dead man. So Pilate tells Joseph that he can have the body, and he he buys a long sheet of linen cloth. They, they take Jesus' body down from the cross, wrap it up in the cloth, and they lay it in a tomb that had been carved out of the rock. And then he rolled the stone in front of the entrance, and he goes on. Saturday evening, when the Sabbath had ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body because he was very dead. There was no hope. There's no anticipation but the events of Friday night happened so quickly that there wasn't time to properly care for Jesus' dead body. So they're doing the backwards work. Verse 2, very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. And on the way, they were asking each other, who's, who's going to roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. And he goes on. And he says, when they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. And the women were shocked. It's probably an understatement. And the angel said, don't be alarmed. Yeah, that helps. <laughs> you are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look. This is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples. Check it out. Including Peter. Dang it. Why you got to single me out like that? I bet Peter feels like, right? Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee, and you will see him there, just as he told you before he died. And so, first of all, just a heads up, if you're writing kind of this like little legend, fable thing, you don't write women in as the heroes of the story. For women to be the first to, on the scene of what's going on here would completely discredit the entire Jesus story. So the only reason you would write women into the story in the first century is if it actually happened that way. And so they run and they tell the disciples, and you know what? They're not jumping up and down for joy they're freaking out. Later, they, they record additionally that, that Peter and John, they race to the tomb. And John, in his document, would say he beat Peter, just in case anybody was wondering, okay? <laughs> Probably tripped Peter. You know, we don't know how they got there. But they get there, and they stop, and, and Peter goes in, and, and they record for us that they leave wondering what had happened to the body. So they have the, the stone rolled away. They have the women saying, he's not there, he's risen. There was an angel. They get there and they walk away and they're still in complete doubt. Someone stole the body. That's, that's the only logical conclusion to what's going on. And so then they head to Galilee and they're fishing like they normally do, partly because Jesus is dead and that's all gone, so they gotta go back to their normal grind. 
And so they're fishing, and they kind of see somebody on the shoreline, and then someone on the boat says, that's, I think that's Jesus. And then Peter like pulls a Forrest Gump, jumps off the boat, and, uh, and swims to Jesus. Everybody's like, you're crazy. We'll just kind of paddle back. And Jesus, once again, is making his famous fish sandwiches on the beach. And so they have a breakfast meal with the resurrected Jesus in person, holes in his hands and his side, and everything changes. Peter would tell us something happened, and it changed everything. Peter would say, it changed everything for me, but it wasn't just for me. Peter, said, Peter would say that something happened that has caused me to spend the rest of my life ultimately risking my life so that you and I could know that Jesus is alive. And P Peter would say, you know what, I, I finally got it. Like, I didn't get it. Like, we would follow Jesus, and he would say things, and I didn't understand. But, but Jesus said something that he recorded in Mark 1, and he's like, I, I think I finally understand. Jesus said, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And, and Peter said, you know what? I, I finally understood the invitation here that the kingdom of God was near because Jesus was here. That because the kingdom of God is near, that means you and I are not far. And the invitation is not to be good people and go to church every now and then and be a little generous with our money and try not to say those words. The invitation is not to try to control our temper and live comfortable lives. The invitation was to repent and believe. And, and you and I, you know, we hear that word and maybe it rubs you the wrong way because we, we don't have a good understanding of what it means. That word repent literally means to change the way that we think. So we think about life, we think about reality, we have the grind, we have the nine to five, we have family dynamics, we have conflict, we have our own personal struggles, and we have our own worldviews that kind of set us up to think through life every day and the pursuits that we pursue, and how we're going to live life. And the invitation from Jesus is to adopt an entirely new way of thinking, to change the way we think from wherever you and I find ourselves today in alignment with what God says about reality, what he says about life, what he says about you. And to believe simply means to trust that Jesus was actually who he said he was. That as we turn to Jesus, we're embracing not just a new way of thinking, not just an eternal destination, but a new value system and a new way of life. It really was good news. Peter would say on Friday, it didn't seem like good news at all. And here's probably the big idea. If you, if you don't get anything else today, this is what Peter would want us to land on. God has done something for you because God is for you. Everything we see played out in the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is because of his great love for you. And maybe you've heard that before, and, it, and if you, you've never felt it. You never let it get past your mind and into your heart. Maybe you've heard it before, but you've experienced other things less than that from churches and Jesus' people. But here's the good news, is that God has made a way for you and I to receive and to respond to this good news. I'm going to invite Daniel to come. As the band gets ready to lead us in some more songs, I just want to invite you to process and think through maybe your story today. To face and, and embrace this reality of God's love for you. 
that Jesus died for your sin and my sin. You don't have to call it sin. The messed up stuff in your life, that less than ideal thing going on, the, the words that you wish you could take back, the actions that you wish would have happened, the things that have been both done to you and by you. Jesus died for all that stuff. But then he rose again to prove that he was who he said he was and he can do in my life and in your life what he said he would do. Here's the deal, listen. If the resurrection is true, then it means that we can trust all of Jesus' claims following that. That he can forgive sin. That he can make us new. That he can bring us back into relationship with God. That he can restore relationships horizontally with our neighbors and our families. He can give us life and hope and purpose both now and forever. And here's the beautiful thing about this good news is it is for everyone, everywhere, at all times. Jesus has made a way. And he's made a way for you. And it's not a mistake that you'd be sitting in this room today with me and the neighbor sitting next to you to encounter for the first time the love of God that changes everything. Because here's the reality, friends. Jesus is alive. And he's changing lives today. Right now in this space, he changed my life. There's no other explanation for the change he's done in my life. There are hundreds of people that could raise their hands. There's people in this room right now that could say, Jesus has changed my life. There's no other explanation. And he'll do the same for you. No strings attached. No performance. Not works and, and kind of rules and regulations. Not behavior modification. But invitation into a relationship. To trust that his death on the cross was enough to forgive your sins. To believe that his resurrection is enough prove that he was who he said he was and he can do in your life what he promised to do. If Jesus rose from the dead, friends, he is reliable and we can take everything that he said to the bank. If Jesus rose from the dead and he's reliable, then it makes some of the more challenging pieces of following Jesus something we can deal with after the initial step toward him. So I don't know, you know, you kind of look at your own story and you're kind of evaluating where you are today. You know, if, if zero on, on a line is trusting in Jesus, you know, maybe you're coming in at a negative one or a negative nine. And Jesus wants to meet you right where you are. And one step in his direction is more than enough for him to fill the gap. It's a gift that you and I receive. He's not gonna force this love on you. That's called abuse. He's not really into that, but he, you are invited. It's the best thing. It's the best gift the world has ever known. It really does change everything. And it's not just for, you know, when you die, just go to heaven, get out of hell free card kind of, no, that's not it at all. Jesus overcame death both now and forever. He promises new life both now and forever. And the invitation is not just to believe in Jesus hoping to secure an eternal destination. That's part of the package. It's a great part of the package but it's life right now. Following Jesus is a way of life, a new way to live and love. And so wherever you are, I just want to invite you to process your own story and take a next step. I'm going to invite you to just pray with me, okay? Bow your heads, close your eyes right now, and, and this is just a moment of privacy for you, okay? 
Not a super spiritual moment, nothing really crazy about bowing your heads and closing your eyes, but it does just create some intimacy and privacy in, in your own heart and mind. And so I don't know where you're walking in, just kind of as you look at your story. Maybe some of you, you've been following Jesus, and today, and you're confident in his resurrection, and you're grateful for the new life. And today's about celebration and, and kind of recentering your heart and mind and all that Jesus has done and wants to continue to do. This reality that Jesus has made you completely new, but also he's still making you new every day. And so some of you, maybe you follow Jesus, but you walked away from the church. You walked away from community, maybe because of pain and hurt. And maybe today is an opportunity to trust Jesus once again. This is not a perfect family. This is not a, communi a perfect community, but you are loved, safe, and welcome here. And for some of you, friends, maybe you've heard the message of Jesus. Maybe you've never heard the good news that we're talking about today. And there's a very good chance that right now there's something happening in your heart and your mind bringing you to this reality that you need this good news. Like I needed it at 15. I was looking for anything and everything to fill the holes and the gaps in my life. And at 15 years old, someone told me that it was Jesus that could do that and more. And friends, he did that and more. And he'll do the same for you right now. In the privacy of your own heart and mind, you can pray in your head, you can pray out loud, however you would like. A simple response to the invitation, Jesus, I believe that you died for me and rose again so that I can have a relationship with you. I want to start following you today. However you would pray that in your own heart and mind today, I want you to have confidence that that simple prayer in alignment with your head and your heart is all it takes to receive the invitation from Jesus. And the second that you pray that prayer, I want you to know everything changes forever for you. Heaven rejoices and so do we. And so if you're making that decision today, we would love to walk with you through that journey. We'd love for you to take some time and let us know on that connection card. We're gonna have a couple of team members in the back of this auditorium during the next set that if you'd like to receive prayer or talk more about that, you're welcome to. If you'd like to receive prayer over anything else, you're gonna have a chance to do that. But God, thank you so much that as we gather, we get to remember and we get to celebrate what Jesus has done. Thank you that our, our, our faith is not fragile. It doesn't sit on this shifting sand of I hope so's and fable and legend. The movement is alive because you're alive. And your heart is for everyone in this room, everyone in our city, and everyone in the world. And today we get to celebrate. You overcame death. You changed what it means to be human. And we have the chance to love in a different way, to live in a different light. And I pray my friends today would embrace that invitation and not just cognitively embrace a reality in their head, but respond to the reality in their heart. That you love us, you died for us, and Jesus, you rose again like we could never accomplish on our own. It's in Jesus' name, amen.